Ukulele Tales, the ukulele podcast with John Atkins. Hey gang, how are we doing today? I hope you're having a great week. Let's just say a very quick thank you to our lovely sponsor, Carla, who kindly sponsored this podcast. You can visit carlabrand.com slash uteacher. That's my special bespoke link. And you will get 10% off anything on their website just because you listen to Ukulele Tales. And when I say anything, I do mean anything because Carla have not just ukuleles, as I'm sure you all know, but also they have some great banjoleles, u-basses and guitars. And they also have all the accessories you could possibly need, like strings, straps, tuners, capos, and so on. Just visit carlabrand.com slash uteacher and you'll get that sweet, sweet, sweet 10% discount just because you listen to Ukulele Tales. Okay, when I first got the idea for this podcast, many moons ago, I made a list of people I'd love to get on it, and today's guest was right up there at the top. But somehow, it's taken us until now to finally reconnect. Danielle Anderson is a singer-songwriter from Fort Collins, Colorado, who goes by the stage name Danielle Ate the Sandwich. She's been writing, recording, and releasing music since around 2007, when she started her YouTube channel. And since then, she's played festivals and concerts around the USA, including supporting the Pomplamoose, Jake Shimabukuru, who a former guest on this very podcast, by the way, Mumford & Sons, and even Suzanne Vega, who's one of my all-time favourites. Not only that, but her music has been used as the soundtrack to the Emmy-nominated HBO documentary, Packed in a Trunk, The Lost Art of Edith Lake Wilkinson. Now, before this conversation, we hadn't spoke for something like six or seven years, so we had a lot of catching up to do. So as you can imagine, this episode is going to be a two-parter. Next week, we'll be talking about her origin story, how she got the name Danielle Ate the Sandwich, how she managed to carve out a career for herself as one of the OG names on YouTube, and how she's making at least a partial transition into the world of stand-up comedy and more. But this week, we open up the conversation with a lot of talk about songwriting, specifically her methodology and especially the challenges she faces as an artist who is growing up and whose life is changing. And we kick things off by talking about something that she's become very well known for over the last few years, the 24-hour album Songwriting Challenge. something that you do every year which i think is on patreon that i'm just mm -hmm. amazed and fascinated and in awe of and i'd love it if you could talk a little bit about it it's your 24-hour songwriting challenge where you write yes. a, a whole album in 24 hours is that right is yeah. that the gist of it yes yeah that's exactly it i give myself the deadline of 24 hours so i basically stay up all night as long as i can mm-hmm and try to write and produce, write and record and produce just in my home studio um, enough enough songs to consider an album. Usually I get between eight and ten. Um, and so within that, I ask my my patriot my patrons to come along and view me live streaming from the studio. So they're observing my process and also suggesting ideas for things I should write songs about. And then in the moment of the song, like what 
what word am I looking for? Where should I take this? So it's very interactive. And I got the idea from a friend named Robert Gillis, who's a musician. He said he and his friend used to do it in their Berkeley music school days um, to sort of relieve the pressure of, you know, record writing and recording a real regular studio album is a massive project. Yeah. And you can get really in your head and it costs a lot of money and you're spending a lot of time. Um, so this project he did was just sort of to like, rid himself of all of that obligation and just be like, the goal here is to write some songs and get them out and not be too precious about the decision-making process. So I took that. There's also a community of other people who kind of do it together and then um, do it together quietly and then put their finished project online. But I thought, why not invite my community to see me in the process of? Because much like um, I, I'm I, interested in talking about the business of creativity because it is so mysterious mm -hmm. and and the art of of creation in general because it is so mysterious um so to invite people in to see me at my best and honestly john at my worst because you know you you see the frustration and you see me not knowing the right sort of musical theory choice to make and you see me after sleep deprivation so i get a little loopy and that's been hard for me to like be okay with is people seeing my flaws. Yeah. But I think that's important to just show that like all of us, even if we have our, you know, we look gorgeous online and we have our professional press photos and this amazing professionally recorded studio album, we go through this period of frustration when we really are caring about something we're doing. And that's very natural to feel stuck or frustrated or like you're not good enough and the only thing you can do is keep trying and, you know, be resilient and show up the next day. So to show people that in my own process has become sort of liberating for me and I think inspiring for them to watch. But do you feel when you're making that, though, like an extra um, pressure to perform for that audience as well as the writing? Yeah, yeah. You're, you're so right. I'm, I'm a natural performer. So when I know there's someone watching, I'm kind of hosting, you know, I'm yeah, like hosting exactly, yeah. my live show. Yeah. And that, that can be hard because it's a distraction from needing to write. Mm -hmm. So like writing and being creative is very inward and vulnerable and, and solemn. And then hosting a show is very like, Hey everybody, look at me. And now I'm going to try the F sharp minor chord. And so it is a different uh, muscle and and I part of the challenge for me is remembering to again it I think of the performer as sort of the businesswoman because she is the outward facing like this is my infomercial everyone's invited to experience this for three easy payments of twenty nine ninety five and then my artist self is very quiet and reflective and introverted and and tender and she doesn't want anyone to look at her. So it's like finding the balance of both of those and yeah. letting letting there be moments where I'm not saying anything to the webcam and I'm just like in the flow, in the musical creative flow, which is hard for me to let that down, but that's part of it. And so yeah. it's even training me to like don't forget to be who you who you were, who you started as. Um, because I was a shy kid who wrote songs in her bedroom and didn't want anyone to know she was like learning to play guitar. And I, I, I kept a lot of things hidden. 
Yeah. So now that it's my job to share things with people online and through song, it's like, whoa, who, who have I become and where is that person I used to be? So yeah. the whole process, I've done eight, this last 2023 was my eighth. Oh, you're kidding. Uh, I think you've done like sort of two album. or three. I didn't realize it was that many. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, the first one wasn't for patrons. The first one I was just doing like a virtual fundraiser. Mm -hmm. So it was like PayPal me donations to like fuel this thing. And then um, I developed it into a patron exclusive. So the patrons get access yeah. to um, watch me in the studio and a free download of the album. And, and then do um, you just put, sorry, do you, do you just put it out as it is like at the 24 hour thing? Does it sort of a klaxon go off and you go, right, it's done. Or do you it, kind I of go do. back to it? And, you do. I do. And that's part of the process for me too is is saying it's said and done. I don't like unfinished projects. So yeah. like, you know, having a thing that's like half done in your file or I'm I sew. So I have like these half sewn projects that I'm like, I gotta get back to that day someday. I gotta get back to that. I gotta be anything that's sort of nipping or nagging at me is really frustrating. So one of the things that is a goal of mine in the twenty four hour album is to record it. It's 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 home recorded in my studio and it's often recorded like at four in the morning when my mm -hmm. voice is shot. So right. it's it's not always the best, but it's very passable and very listenable. Yeah. Be, be, yeah. One of the goals for me is to just like be be truly done and like w wipe my hands and go, this is a finished project. The goal is to write, record and release an album in 24 hours. And you can hear those on Bandcamp. Like yeah. you, you were saying I release music on Bandcamp. And the reason I put it on Bandcamp and not on all the other like Spotify and Apple Music is is simply because of it costs money to upload to those sites. Um and so Bandcamp is is able to host your music without charging you a fee until someone buys it. So oh, okay. I'm only paying if someone downloads my music and it's just that little service fee. Yeah. So you can find those on Bandcamp. And what's cool the last few years is I've actually invited my patrons to send in audio recordings of them singing a part oh, uh, for a song we yeah. write together. So so there's this new Patreon sing-along song where um, you can hear people's voices singing in a chorus with me. So that's always really fun too. Yeah, that's a great idea. I love the, I love the whole idea. Um, I've written, what is it now, June, I've written two songs this year, and one of them took me sort of like three and a half months, and mm -hmm. one of them I did yesterday afternoon from start to finish, and I was like quite yes. proud of that. But it's funny, like, but there's no sort of set um, methodology or anything. But there's that one, not, and no. that's, that's so par for the course for the experience of like, this one took me months, and this one came in an afternoon. It's It's just inexplicable magic like that. Sometimes yeah. it's... Lab laborious and other times it's pure magic but then the one that took me like sort of you know months i was like fiddling with um like compressors and limiters and plugins and all kinds of i don't want to say unnecessary stuff but i was getting like really really uh involved in it. and no one's ever heard it that's the stupid thing about it like i spent mm -hmm. months of my life putting this thing together no one has ever heard it or probably will ever hear it but yeah so that's why i kind of find it hard to to imagine being able to write eight or ten songs in 24 hours and then record them and let them go and be like, yep, they're done, they're finished. I know. The funny thing is, I was going to say, I, I just, to be honest, don't always like the songs. So something I've also learned as a songwriter is there's like 
There's the ability to write songs that could be sung by someone else that are perfectly lovely songs that someone might enjoy. And then there are songs that feel true to my heart and my story and the songs that I want to sing. So I would call that like artistry, like who my personal story, my personal mission versus the ability to write a song. Um, Because that is a muscle that I've gotten... I've gotten really toned and I feel very comfortable writing a song, but they don't always relate back to me and my personal story. So, so I will say with the 24 hour album, it's also taught me to, to just be happy with like, okay, I made, I made something and there it is. And, and what is next for me? Cause sometimes it feels like, you know, especially a song you really care about. It takes a long time to write. You get it perfected. You want to hold it close. You're very precious when you're recording it because you want it to be perfect and this and that. So it's also a good practice for me to know that I can sort of let ideas free, like let them out. Part of who I am is a creator and I have ideas and I can get them out and, and leave space for, for new ideas. So it's a, it's sort of a strange thing, but to just be totally honest, I don't always like all the songs I make. But that's, (laughs) I think that's kind of an interesting point because as an artist, are you writing for yourself and you just happen to have an audience who sometimes listens to you or are you writing for your audience? Um, like, do you sort of write songs that you love or do you think someone else will like this? I mean, you must have songs that mean the world to somebody, just not necessarily you. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. it does make yeah. sense. It's an interesting thought. I've never really thought it. I think, I think I have to really like it. I think it's very important for me to feel like I'm going to like it, whether or not that's like a personal story to me that I'm really connecting with or that I think it's a fun song that sounds cool um, and will be fun to play. So my my 2016 album, 2000, uh, The Terrible Dinner Guest, yeah. has some like fun, more fun poppy songs, whereas in the past I had a lot of like emotional folk songs that were a little more, I would say, energy level was like lower and somber. And so Terrible Dinner Guest had some more poppy songs that were like more fun and danceable. And that felt like a risk in some way. Uh, but but it wasn't, you know what I mean? Because yeah. it it's all fun. It's still, it's still my voice and my songwriting. Well, it seemed like um, a natural progression to me, that album. Yeah. Um, it's like sort of your, I don't know, I was going to say um, maturing as a songwriter. I don't know if that's exactly what I mean. But like just the production and everything, it sounded... Like sort of, oh yeah, this is it makes sense. It's the next logical step for you as a musician to sort of do something like this. Yeah, thank you for thinking that because that that is what it felt like to me too. Of like, let's open this up, let's change a little, let's see what happens. And um, and so now I haven't really been writing. I, I of course have written plenty, um, but not as prolifically as I once did or. I haven't felt as connected to the songs as I once did. What has happened, luckily for me, for my previous albums is like I wrote 11 to 13 songs and I was like, I guess this is enough. Let's make an album. Um, And I think a lot of artists write like 50 to 100 songs and pair that down to like the 12 that make the album. That makes me feel good with the two that I've written this year. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I've been writing, you know, songs here and there and a lot has happened. And it's been, um, I guess, 2016 was my last 
studio album release. So it's been that many years. Uh, I won't count them because I can't do math that quick. Seven. Sim- seven seven yeah, years yeah. since I've released. So of course I've written yeah. a lot of songs in seven years. And I'm finding it hard to figure out like what my what my story is now. Like um, I've had some loved ones pass away and yeah. I'm in a new relationship. And, and, you know, so like there's lots of stuff happening but I also think it's harder to like decide as a grown up woman who has like stability and better mental health and healthy relationships. I'm finding it harder to like find the drama, yeah, of things to write about. You, you know, know that's so. Would... Yeah, I totally get that. I used before I, before I even did YouTube. So we're talking a long time ago now. I used to do some stand up comedy actually in London. Ah. And, um, and like, you know, nothing like I wasn't like amazing or anything, but I, you know, it was fun to do, but, um, I wasn't necessarily in like the best place in my life, uh, at that time, which sort of made it easier right. to find things to, I guess, talk about or joke about or have things to say. And then since then, I think it's fair to say I've had like some success in my life, right? Like the, you know, YouTube did pretty well for a while. I'm sort of mm-hmm. pretty happy. You know, I've, I'm not single anymore. I'm a dad. I've got like quite a pleasant life. And like every now and again, my wife will say things like, oh, you should, you know, have you thought about getting back into comedy or doing some stand up or whatever? I'm like, well, I'm pretty like happy, actually. Like I haven't really got anything to sort of (laughs) complain about. You know, I don't think I'd find the motivation to do that. So, yeah. I mean, I don't, I guess that's probably not quite the same. Oh, is that the same? Yeah. It is. It is. Um, You know, it was like when you're younger and searching, you're Mm -hmm. searching for the thing. And for me and, and my personal relationships, it's easier to write about people who are, probably gonna leave someday or who probably aren't sticking around as in like songs I wrote about relationships or friendships that ended um and now it's sort of like oh do I want to write I mean I can write a happy song for my relationship with my boyfriend Michael we've been together three years cool okay um, and it's feeling very stable and steady so but it's like it was easier to be like I know someday you're gonna leave me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And now I'm like, so we're settled in our house and watching Jeopardy on right. the couch. Um, <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's, that's good did, stuff, by the way. Yeah, thanks, yeah, thanks. Yeah. I did just get an idea for a song. Um, I was talking to a friend about Michael, and I was like, I mean, like, he's my emergency contact. Um, mm. And kind of like cha- the change from my family being like my mom and my sister and the creation of a new family with like, with um me and and Michael and 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 his kiddo Jake lives with us so like that's sort of who I think of as my family now and Michael being my emergency contact and that change that shift from like my mom being my emergency contact to Michael being my emergency contact and like forming a new family so that's another idea and like and sometimes I worry about I don't know if my mom will listen to this but like I worry about like singing about the loss of a, a closeness with my with my family family, my birth family. Yeah. Because I've I've started this new family. And you know, we're all still close, but it's different. The intimacy of like who who you're calling in emergency or who you're telling, okay, my my plane's taking off. Love you. Like yeah. it's it's a little bit different and, and that's like a new sort of transition I'm discovering. And I don't know if I have the guts to write about that oh, wow. in a song. Yeah, that's so deep, Danielle. So you're really making me think about a thousand <laughs> different things here at the moment. I guess what I would say is the thoughts that you're having are so good but so personal that if I was you, I would 
write them in a novel and just change the names of everybody. I know. Maybe right? you've got like a, a story in there, yeah. A girl named Blam Yell. Right, exactly, yeah. And Ate her boyfriend Blykel. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. No, there's some, I know. That's and it's so it's funny deep, yeah. because also when I was younger, I don't think it mattered as much to me to to burn anybody. Yeah. And I never did. I never like really burned anybody, but I would write about my my grandma and my mom's relationship and you know, it didn't make everybody happy. Um, again, I was doing like folk metaphors. So like you really had to be listening to get that I was like saying anything um, sort of honest about our family's relationships. But um, now I, I don't want to risk it. I don't want to risk hurting anybody's feelings. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, this is too precious. And so it feels funny. I wish it seems as though when you get more experience and you're older, it would be easier to manage telling the truth in a thoughtful and poignant way. But now I'm kind of like, Ugh, I don't want to risk telling the truth. Because right. But that's crippling for an artist. Are on the line. Yeah. It's crippling for an artist. Yeah. Even this one woman show, it's like, could I go into any real things of my life? Or are these characters a way for me to avoid telling the truth, right? Because I'm not able to do that in my own, in my writing practice anymore. Whoa, I've never realized that before. Wow. Maybe I need to be, I need to be brave. You know what I mean? Yeah. I share stories. So I will say on that challenge I just gave myself, um, um, my, my boyfriend Michael is a bit older than me and has been, and has been married before okay and and we have a a very healthy relationship around that but there is a curiosity for me as a songwriter who observes and thinks and feels of like wow people live lives lots of people are coming um together after a previous marriage or a divorce or a um a partner dying or you know like Mm -hmm. as you get older there's more of a story to the people you're in a relationship with and i think that could be a very interesting thing that i don't hear a lot of songs about um like my boyfriend's ex-wife or anything right i don't know that that's a hit song running around (laughs) but that's one of those things like exploring how how I feel about that. Yeah. And and that gets hard too because that's my perspective and not always his. But you're writing about two people and how do you honor both of those people in that? Or can I be can I be selfish? I think in a good way in my art, you have to be selfish to write about your own experience. So that's an example of like I'm kind of in a, a rock and a hard place of like oh, wow, there are things I want to write about, but I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings or make anything weird or I'm still figuring out how I feel about those things. Yeah. But, ooh, that's where I'm at. I'm 37, and that's like what a 37-year-old songwriter is feeling, well, just being like, whoa, yeah. this is real. I mean, I am I just turned 43 the other day, mm-hmm. so... Oh, yeah, I, happy birthday. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but so I really get it because I've been thinking a lot about not exactly the same stuff, but just more how, um, in some ways, I know I was just sort of saying like, oh, I'm very content and I, I haven't got anything to say comedy-wise, but music-wise, I would like to make more music, but it feels yeah. like no one wants to hear what a 40-something person has to say. Like, what's that Taylor Swift album, 22 or something, or 25 mm-hmm. or whatever it is, I don't know. And I was sort of half thinking of writing an album called like 43 because, <laughs> you know, but, but it doesn't seem to be, yeah... It certainly doesn't seem to have mass appeal. And yet there's more of us than there are of them, I think, if you think about I it know. sort of in that way. Well, I think we honor youth. We we honor yeah. youth and we put youth on a pedestal. 
And I think if anybody has a problem with that, it needs to be us. It needs to be these our middle agers, or mm. we're not quite middle aged yet. But like we need to. Well, like I think start... I am easily middle aged, actually. But yeah. yeah, I guess it depends on yeah. what you think your life expectancy <laughs> is. But yeah, we're we're getting we're starting yeah. to maybe do the tabulation. Um, but like we, you know, the the worst thing I think we could do is say our stories don't matter. Oh, the let the young people have it. But yeah. that, that's been a funny shift is to feel like the young person in the youth community too is like I used to feel like the up and comer and I was like the new kid at the youth fest that this was my first time and now I'm I've sort of passed over that and I'm not the wise elder by any means but I'm someone who's been to a lot of them and and know know what's going on and I've been asked to lead the group song the cluster pluck mm-hmm. at the end of some of the fests and it feels like a rite of passage where I'm like oh my gosh I've really I've really made a name in this community to be asked to be um you know one of these people leading others yeah. and so that's a great feeling and again it's like oh who wants to write a song about that but um I hope that I f- I get the guts to do it because our stories are important and like you said there's more of us than there are of them so yeah, yeah. it's about time um, the oldies reclaim our <laughs> Rightful place on the throne yes. of pop music, yeah. Yes, yeah. revolt. Yeah. Oh, cool. Well, thanks, Daniel, so much. It's been really, really cool talking to you. Is there anything you want to say that I haven't mentioned or uh, that you want to get out there or anything? Yeah, on the thread of songwriting, um, I have developed and teach a songwriting class. Oh, that was, a, um, yes, that was the one question I was going to ask you as well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so it's called Life as a Songwriter, and it is taught virtually, but it, it is for like all levels and anyone who's interested. And it's it's sort of I mean I teach I teach the basics of songwriting and we do exercises to implement that. But even for people who have experience with songwriting, I, I notice myself this as an adult learner. I love taking classes just to keep my brain in in the subject area of something that I'm interested in or something I love. So um, it's great for me as a songwriter to teach songwriting because I get to sort of express what I love about it and how it's helpful to me and work with a community of people who are interested in the same thing. And um, so uh, that that's class is called Life as a Songwriter. And my next one is coming up in July. And uh, But that's been a, another evolution of my career is to become a teacher and sort of spread the word of, of what I know and what I've learned. And I'm really loving it. It's bas- I feel like it's, it's being nice to people. Teaching is being nice mm. and like in- inspiring and, and being like excited for people. And that's a really um, exhilarating thing for me to be excited for other people. I love are, th- are these in person or are they uh, virtual? They're virtual. This okay. class in particular is virtual. Yeah, and it takes 10 people, so just 10 um, online, and we meet and discuss and share work. And the goal is at the end of the four weeks to have a song or some bit of a song to perform for the others, which is really scary for a lot of people. But that's also part of the fun, of of the bold step it takes to say, I'm a creator, I made something, and I want somebody else to hear it. Yeah. Which I think is a very important pers- process of of the creative process for me. Yeah. Are you teaching sort of like here's like uh, musical theory, here's how you do a melody, the chord sequences, or is it more yep. to do with like the lyrics and stuff? 
it, I try to cover everything. So we do go a little bit into music theory and I, I call it spontaneous melody where we just sort of, it's, it's a lot of improv. It's like okay. blurt something out. Same with writing. A lot of it is just trusting your gut. I call it, um, trust your burst. So like gut something trust. you gut trust. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like a new pill yeah. to, for intestinal health. Yeah. Um, it, it's, Songwriting and create, creation in, in any format is just knowing that something you say or do or put on paper is going to be weird and allowing that to happen because there has to be something on the paper, whether or not it's weird or bad, but you can make that better. The first step, I think the hardest step is just like allowing yourself to say something and putting it out there so that you can like whittle it back. I think of it as a big chunk of clay. You can carve a big chunk of clay into something um, that you want that is beautiful, that is a finished project, but you can't carve anything out of nothing. So just like mm. allow yourself to blurt your clay. Uh, so you're building a pile of ideas and and thoughts and things that may or may not make sense or sound good, but you have to allow those to be expressed before you can work with any of your ideas. So a lot of it is just like getting over your own insecurity and doubt mm. in a creative process. So I like to think of it as like part therapy, part songwriting, part performance, and it's delivered, you know, with my personal style that is yeah, a little right. wacky and yeah. uh, hopefully fun. I'm sure it is. So um, how long does that last? That's what, over 10 weeks or something, did you say? It's just a four-week class. Four weeks, okay. So it starts the first week in July and then we'll end the last week in July. And I do them kind of quarterly, like okay. a winter, summer, fall, and um, spring session. Thank you, Danielle. I really enjoyed chatting with you. And I hope you guys will join me again for part two of this awesome conversation next week. Now, right at the end there, Danielle mentioned that she's about to host her songwriting masterclass, Life as a Songwriter. And in fact, it is starting on July the 5th, in just a few days' time. Now, it sounds absolutely awesome, and I've put a link to the ticket page in the show notes. I think there are still some spaces available. So if that is something you're interested in being a part of, I think it sounds like an incredible opportunity to learn from one of the best. So be sure to check that out. As I said, part two of my conversation with Danielle is next week. So make sure you're subscribed to the show so that you don't miss it. And if you could do me one single favor while you're at it, please tell a friend. The Ute community is such a giving and sharing and loving community that I'm sure you guys all have friends or family members who also play the ukulele and who would also love to check out the show. So just tell them, hey, remember the ukulele teacher? You know, that Australian guy that taught Grace Funderwall how to play the ukulele? Well, he has a podcast now, and it's called Ukulele Tales. Seriously, if you guys like it, I'm sure they will too. So if you could please spread the word, I'd be so grateful. And if this is your first episode, why not go back and check out some of the archives? It's crazy that although I've only been going since November, I've already had some absolutely unbelievable guests on. There's Jake Shimabukuru, James Hill, Bernadette Teaches Music, Bagiti Kamalo, who played bass on Paul Simon's Graceland. There's They Might Be Giants bassist Danny Weinkoff, Tyler from Ten Thumbs, Abby Lyons, Victoria Vox, Andrew Molina, Brittany Piver, 
The list goes on. I'm sure I'm forgetting several top names as well. And I've got a few more big names coming this way in the very near future as well, if all goes to plan. That's pretty much it then for this week. But don't forget, you can contact me at any time about anything by messaging uketeacher at grabyouryuke.com, where, as you know, I do read and reply to every message I receive. Eventually. And, of course, another big thank you very much to Carla for sponsoring the podcast. Don't forget, you'll get 10% off anything on the Carla website just by visiting my special bespoke link, www.carlabrand.com slash uketeacher. And I do mean 10% off anything, not just the ukuleles. Okay, I'll be back same uke time, same uke channel next Wednesday with another fun interview for you. In fact, it'll be part two of the Danielle Ate the Sandwich chat, and it will be available in all the usual podcasty places as always. So make sure you're subscribed. So until next time, I love you all, and I wish you the best.